0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Monday is upon us and the markets have hit the ground running. As We're going to find out some details of the fingers in the pots as to what we're seeing in this trade as Mike Zuzalo joins us with Global Commodity Analytics. And, you know, earlier today, and, and I have it on my evening TV news, which folks can find on our website, Mike, is the president has said they, one of the spots he would like to see this official Phase 1 signed is in Iowa. But that kind of leads into, are we getting kind of sick of this? I mean, we know we need a trade, but it just seems like we're beating a dead horse over and over again.
1: Well, I don't think we're getting kind of sick of it at this point, Susan. And I'm laughing as you ask that question because, I mean, that is one of the strongest opinions I've heard in the last month on the phone has been from the clients and subscribers and even listeners that have called in after doing a midday with the, uh, KRVN or with doing your uh, Fontenelle final bell with you um, they've called in and I think that's one of the biggest things that I've heard in the last couple months and it makes sense because we're going into our 16th month in this um, US-China trade battle and I think it is a battle at this point um, because we had a 150 page agreement back in May that essentially got torn up by the Chinese and now with impeachment hearings getting more formalized and the public hearings being set up by the house of representatives here in the united states i I definitely think china has moved the goalposts again in terms of their calculus on how they're going to interact with us and specifically how they're going to interact with the trump administration in getting this phase one deal done and especially anything past phase one I, i will throw one other thing to you um Hong Kong and I mentioned this with Dewey on the midday update today it probably needs some better explanation on on this program <clears throat> Hong Kong is still very much a red hot issue when it comes to US trade and US foreign policy negotiations with China it's it's very similar to Hong Kong uh excuse me it's very similar to North Korea it's it's not going that well in other words um the Hong Kong protests are getting to the point that China's communist party led by president Xi of China has stated in their fourth Communist Party plenum, their big meeting that they just concluded this past weekend, uh, that he is going to continue to support a tougher line with Hong Kong's leadership. And that suggests to me that, similar to North Korea, he may rub up against the Trump administration with any policy moves that he may make here in the near future. And so we're not out of the woods. And I think producers and, and clients and subscribers, as they become more frustrated with not only the price action in the futures market, but their harvest progress and their yields, uh, they are much more uh, tired of this whole situation, and there's just no way around it.
0: You know, I I look at it, and we're not seeing obviously the full picture. We get little tidbits that come out of China here and there, but I I think of the of the Chinese producers um, that relied so much on purchases from the U.S. to feed their livestock, which in turn fed the people in China. They've got to be just as frustrated at this.
1: They are, and and this is also coming up against the central government, the state-owned government, essentially saying. Get out there and repopulate your hog herds, even though we haven't cleaned up African swine fever. Get out there and repopulate because we need the pork. And uh, just crossing the wires before uh, you and I came on together today is that uh, Reuters is reporting that Brazil is saying that now China has approved seven uh, plants, seven different plants for exports of pork internal muscle. And, and innards as well And some of the key pieces of pork That the Chinese like to consume In their soups uh, It looks like that they continue to move towards Other areas of the world To try and offset their lost protein <clears throat> So what you and I talked about Maybe six, eight months ago I think is still very germane To the marketplace And that is be weary of China Taking on too many soybean imports From both the United States and Brazil um, it probably doesn't need as much as it's needed historically, especially what it took in in terms of this 2016-2017 marking years that uh, were just extremely high levels uh, because African swine fever has not been put to bed in China and other countries of the Asian Rim, I think it's much more likely that a, a longer-lasting rally potential is going to come from the protein markets. And I think that we are, as we talked about last month, Gradually moving away from a domestic oversupply trade mindset in the hog market to more of a global short supply mindset because I'm seeing more and more news outlets that are more national and world news throwing out the headline that we have a 25% deficit in global pork production coming right around the corner.
0: Well, well, speaking of uh, South America, and I wanted to jump into some some planting progress that you're hearing out of Brazil. Are they making some headway? I know they've had some weather issues.
1: Yeah, they are making headway. They are back at or just a little bit above the five-year average as of Ag Rural's update uh, just over the weekend. They're coming in at 46% planted but that compares to 60% last year, and so they're not at all out of the woods, and their second crop corn, their safrina corn, is still very much in play in terms of potentially seeing reduced acres there um, as producers stick with soybeans if they don't feel like they can get the safrina crop in on time with, with ample moisture. Uh, I think the other thing, too, goes back and looking at South America is Argentina is still an issue. They have a lot less um, flexible time to plant, and uh, they're, they're planting windows starting to close with uh, Buenos Aires province in particular having some difficulty getting uh, enough uh, precip to allow them to plant there. In fact, some areas over the last 30 or 60 days have gotten zero to only 10 percent of their normal precipitation for their 30-day averages. And I, I will throw one other thing out. Brazil came out um, uh, from the government just over the weekend as well about the commodity exports for the month of October soybeans they shipped in october of this year about 4.9 million metric tons that was about nine and a half percent above september but it was seven percent below october of last year
0: all right well stick around folks we've got more coming up a couple more grain questions and we'll jump into livestock it's the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural radio network Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Mike Zuzalo continues to join us for segment two. Before we jump into the livestock and its important things to talk about there, Mike and I were talking during the commercial break about, I'm wondering, because of this whole phase one, the issues that we've had with China not getting this done in 15 plus months, For their growers, Mike. Are they just kind of thinking, hey, this might not go through, so we're going to keep up on our planting, keep up on our pressure so we can take more markets away from the United States?
1: Oh, I think that's an excellent point. I think the Brazilian government in particular is in it to win it right now and and take real advantage of uh, as much as they can of this separation between the United States and China and agriculture. And um, they feel like they really can make headway, not just because China has been – very actively buying but they're also trying to set up new deals uh, China's trying to put in more money into Brazil specifically with transportation that's the one area that continues to <clears throat> dominate Brazil's agriculture sector that uh, makes them uh, less competitive than us typically as far as reliable supplies uh, I think the other thing that the Brazilians are probably looking at too is the idea that if we can get a long-term relationship set up with China um, we can then advance in our own South American area and become, you know, even a stronger powerhouse in Latin American politics and, and in the Southern Hemisphere uh, politics, especially given the fact that Argentina has kind of regressed back to a populist, Peronist government. And what that means, Susan, to us in agriculture is that the Peronists who are populists are typically trying to even out wages more across the scale, and they typically will put in capital controls. What that means is they'll put in, uh, say, just last week, they, they told everybody that wanted to buy U.S. dollars, well, guess what? Between now and December, if you want to buy U.S. dollars, you're capped at $200 uh, dollars per month that you can purchase with Argentine pesos. That former level was $10,000 a month that they could purchase. So for the next two months, you can't buy hardly any U.S. dollars. Well, that naturally takes away from Argentina's government to be able to run itself and to raise wages, their ultimate goal in this new government. So what they typically would do will come in and hit agriculture because agriculture, being the biggest export market for them, uh, they'll raise export taxes. They'll levy export taxes upon the agriculture sector, whether it's the end user, whether it's the producer and that really upsets the apple cart when it comes to argentina having bigger production levels not unlike what we saw in the soviet union you know people have been around a long time we've seen the black sea and russia and ukraine really take over the world's wheat business well that's because they essentially got rid of the soviet style capital controls and export tariffs and you know you see what's happened over the last 15 years in russia in the black sea region argentina's gone the other way with this new election or the fear is that they will go back that way again and that really opens the door for brazil to get even more agriculture business
0: very interesting. Jumping the the gates here to the cattle side market. Are we setting up for some volatility within the trade?
1: Yeah, this all works into the cattle market and the volatility. I, I think USDA has underplayed the reduction of production in the United States, and Australia is liquidating because of their drought and has been for a couple years. You know, we here in the United States have been in a liquidation pressure because of droughts for several years. Our cattle herd has moved east and into the southeast states even, and move north, even up into states like Michigan and the Dakotas, especially for our calf crop. And so I do think that the volatility of the cattle market is going to be extreme as we go into 2020 and play out 2020. We'll have, I think, really strong surges to the upside above levels that maybe we didn't think we could get to if this global protein rally that starts off in hogs is already taking place in Chinese hog markets, Europe's hog markets are also now starting to take off. I think we'll probably be the last ones to take off because of that tariff that we have, that 62% tariff that China has to pay whenever they buy our pork. But at this point, I think they're going to have to keep buying our pork, and I think that's only going to be good news for the beef sector. So I think you're going to have extreme volatility in 2020. You're going to have levels I think you're going to get to that you really want to hedge, but hedge with respect, not get caught short, and have a $10 higher rally and then have a situation develop where you have to get out of your hedge before you can market your fat cattle in the cash market. So what I'm getting at is 2020 cattle, think bought puts, especially when we get into the high 120s and low 130s, which I think are very, very doable, given what I'm seeing in the global protein market this year.
0: What about for the, for the hogs? Are we going to see them? I mean, I know there was a talk about some deferred contracts being cut. What's the tone this week for them?
1: Yeah, I I still think that when you look at April hogs at $78, that probably should be closer to $98 if we really are losing 25 to 30% of the global pork production. But <clears throat> this is probably where phase one means the most.
0: Sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike?
1: Best way is to get a trial on the website. You'll get all kinds of audio and video and, and research and daily copy, and you'll get the Midday KRVN Rural Radio Network sent to your email if you don't get it already on Twitter. But go to globalanalytics.bic.
0: And that's the Fontnell Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can get this as a podcast as well through our website, ruralradio.com, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It's the Fontnell Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.